Hello, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on Rash Pixel FM. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with Nikki Kinzer. Hello, everyone. Hello, Pete. How are you? You're back. You're feeling good. Yes, I just uh, attended the the 2019 Chad Ada ACO conference. I um, somebody asked me what does that stand for, and I said it's the ADD conference. I can't. That's really all you have to say. It's it's the the ADHD conference. (laughs) It is the one. It's three organizations combined into one conference, and it's all about ADHD. It it, it is the conference to go to. It's for coaches, psychologists, doctors, educators, people with ADHD, uh, adults with ADHD, kids, teenagers with ADHD. There's a lot for a lot of stuff for everyone. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. I carry deep shame and regret that I did not go this year, and I am absolutely going to attend next year. Please, because I can't tell you how many times is Pete here? Where's Pete? Why didn't Pete come? Have so, they, did they say they see me and they expect oh, to see yeah, you? Right. So, oh look, it's the Siamese ADHD podcast twins. Uh, did you? Did they yeah. announce where it's going to be next year? Yes, Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas. Dallas. Well, Texas. that's halfway closer to me than it Philly. is. It is. Yes. Wow. 2020 Dallas, Texas. And, you know, I, I will definitely talk more uh, in a couple of shows. I'm going to talk more about some of my takeaways with the with the conference. But one thing I do want to say right now is that it is such a supportive group of people. And uh, it really is just really it, it's so neat to be able to see people talking to each other and sharing their experiences and not feeling ashamed or embarrassed about that. People would speak up in different sessions and and really share some vulnerable, you know, things. And uh, people would get up and give that person a hug. Um, I will talk a little bit about my daughter here in the next uh, few weeks. And after I asked my question about my daughter, I had three different people come up to me and uh, give me support and ask questions and just help me. And I mean, it's just a wonderful place to be. Yes, it's it's expensive because you have to fly there. You have to pay for the conference. But if it is close to your home and uh, you are able to do it, I highly recommend going at least once because it really is a neat experience. I can't wait. I can't wait. Plus, I got family in Dallas. so. Oh, yeah, I'm all in. Of course, in Dallas, it's like the size of Dallas now. I feel like me here in Portland, I'm really just in North Dallas. (laughs) So I don't know what you mean by that. It's just an exceptionally large city, (laughs) right? I mean, it's just taking over. Just in terms of raw space, it's taking over the world. So uh, anyhow, uh, I can't wait to go next year. It's going to be super fun. Um, And uh, it'll be a fresh change from the uh, East Coast. Philly cold. Yep. Yes. All right. Yeah. Uh, We are going to be talking about the steps to create change in your life today. But before we do that, head over to TakeControlADHD.com to get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to the mailing list and we'll send you an email each time a new episode is released. And of course, you can connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at TakeControlADHD. 
And if this show has ever touched you or helped you make change in your life uh, and the way you live with your ADHD, we invite you to uh, join us over at patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. For a few dollars a month, you can support the show. You can support the work we're already doing. Plus, you get access to a few great perks like early access to the show by subscribing to your very own personal ADHD podcast RSS feed. Uh, You get access to uh, workshops. You get access to downloads, depending on the level uh, that you join us uh, to support the show. We appreciate you. Make smart financial decisions first. But once you do that, uh, head over to patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. Throw us a few bucks and help us continue to grow and make the show thrive. Thanks to those who've chosen to join us already. And thanks to those of you who are just considering it. Nikki Kinzer, how do you create change in your life? Silence. (laughs) (laughs) What is that? It's hard, right? Change is hard. Okay, so how do you create change in your life? That's, that's, gosh, what a great big question that is. Uh, You know, when people come to coaching, that's what they're looking for, right? They're looking for change. They're looking for something to be a little bit different in their life. And uh, a lot of my work is helping those people create new habits, you know, finding strategies and systems and things like that, that work for them. Because, you know, the goal is not to be a neurotypical. The goal is to find things that work with your ADHD brain. Uh, What we've learned in the last several years or what I've learned in the last several years in my practice is that, you know, any kinds of any kind of change is not easy. Um, And we're not just talking about the big change of you know, stop smoking, exercise, be healthy. Those are bigger changes. Get on, you know, get to work on time. But any change, even just, you know, eating a healthier breakfast, you know, can be difficult to do. So we are creatures of habit, right? Whether they're good habits or bad habits, that's sort of what we tend to fall into. And uh, in order to have a change take place in our lives, we have to be ready to take on a challenge because, Change doesn't just happen because we want it to happen. I don't know, Nikki Kinzer. I think pretty hard. Yeah. And is anything changing for you? Well, I just (laughs) kind of feel like maybe I haven't thought hard or long enough so that I better just keep on keeping on and and. You know, right? Is that not the right? Is that not the right strategy? Well. I have to tell you, there's good and and bad in that strategy. The first part, though, that's really good and really positive is that you keep thinking about it. Oh, good. good, All right. So I'm doing something right. Because it's still in, you're not just giving up on it. You're like, no, this is still important. So there's some really good Mm -hmm. about that. Where we kind of fall or where we get stuck is that that's all that's all we're doing is thinking about it. So we're not taking that. We're not going into that next stage which requires us to actually start changing. And that's the action piece. Well, so today you want to introduce us to a model, the Prochaska Stages of Change. Uh, and and walk Correct. us through. Have you heard uh, of this? It, no, I've never. I'm actually really feeling lucky that I was able to read the name out loud and not screw it up. The Prochaska stages of change. That's fantastic. Uh, where did you hear about it? Is this yes. uh, fresh from the Chad conference, or are you uh, are you a regular no, student? This is not. It, it's interesting because it's not fresh from the Ch- the Chad conference. This was actually introduced to me by a client. Um, gosh, a few years back, she. Was in my group coaching um, 
in a coaching group. And she was talking about motivational interviewing and she was talking about these different stages, stages of change because of the work that she right. was in. And, and she said, you know, you may be interested in checking this out because it, it actually may be really relevant to the work that you do. So I checked it out and I was like, yeah, it kind of makes sense. There's these five stages in this model of how, you know, how we change, but where it really kind of came, um, really full force was that I was doing some research on uh, coaching college students. And in two of the books that I was reading, they both talked about this particular model. Hmm. And I thought that's really interesting that it's very connected with students. But I think that it goes far beyond that. And so the whole reason that I want to talk about this is that I think it it gives us an understanding of where we may be and what stage of change so that we can kind of understand ourselves better and knowing what what's happening, why we're getting stuck. So just to give you a little bit of background, this was developed back in the late 1970s, and it was originally tended to help individuals who were trying to change addictive behaviors. And the study that they did uh First, the first study they did was on people who smoked. And what they were particularly or specifically looking for was, you know, who are the people who could quit on their own versus who were those who required further treatment? And there was this cycle of stages that they saw that people were going through and understanding, they knew that, you know, change doesn't happen quickly. People are going to be in these different stages for different periods of time. So that's sort of what the basis of the of the experiment was. But what's happened is now people take this model of change and they use it to explain and facilitate changes in many different kinds of routine behaviors. And that's where it really can fall into a benefit for ADHD, um, for people who are looking Again, not even just for ADHD, but any kind of um, routine or change that they want in their life, they can understand themselves a little bit better with this model. To run through the five stages, uh, stage one, pre-contemplation, stage two, contemplation, stage three, preparation, stage four, action, and stage five, maintenance. I am looking at these and I feel like the sort of pre-contemplation contemplation thing is where I would, in, at my worst, get stuck. Uh, so I'm I, I'm glad to see that they've they've separated these out. How does that work? Let's let's walk through pre-contemplation. Absolutely. Well, in this stage, you are not ready for change. <laughs> okay. So what's happening here is that you're not even seeing that there's a problem. Now, somebody else from the outside, a parent or a boss or a spouse might see that there might be an issue, but you you don't see it. So other people may see it, but you don't. And so you could kind of almost say that this would almost be like a denial, right, type of situation. Um, it is very difficult to have a conversation with someone who's in this stage because what's going to happen is they're going to immediately become defensive. And so they're not going to want to have this conversation. So trying to give somebody advice or trying to convince them to do something different isn't going to work. It's just not mm -hmm. going to work. Uh, and so they're, what, what the research says is that they're not emotionally ready to have this conversation at this point. And the best thing 
for somebody to do is just to ask them questions and listen to the answers. And if anything, empathize, but don't agree. So you can, so if I am a mother and I see that my child is struggling with something and they're not seeing it, the best thing I can do is just ask them questions and and listen to them and say, yeah, I understand that's really hard Mm -hmm. for you. But I'm not going to necessarily say it's the teacher's fault that you got an F. Right, right. Which is an easy and natural response. Right, right. So it's a little tricky, but this is definitely kind of more of that, I would say, denial stage. All right. So then that moves us into the contemplation stage. And at this point, we're a little bit more ready to hear some tough talk. Yes. Yes. At this point, we're much more aware. We recognize that, okay, you know what? Maybe this is a problem. Maybe I do actually have something to do Mm -hmm. with this. And they can actually see the pros and the cons of their behavior, not just the cons or pros, right? right? They can see kind of both sides of it. But they're still not necessarily convinced it's worth the change. Because as we're going to talk about, in order for change to happen, you have to be, you have to take some kind of action. And when you're in this stage, you're not really convinced it's worth it yet because you still may be thinking, well, it's never worked before. I have done this before. You know, I've tried this strategy. I tried the planner. Doesn't it doesn't work? So I, I'm still not convinced it's really going to be worth my time. I don't. I I have this limiting belief that maybe I still can't change or I can't do this. There might be a fear of failure, right? There might be a fear of being embarrassed that oh, here I tried it, but it didn't work again. There's also this fear of success. What if I do well? Then that's the expectation I have going forward. And that's a, that's a pretty hefty expectation, right? So that could be very but, scary. It, it, but somebody. you know, there's huge opportunity here because this is, at least it sounds to me that at this point, it, we, it, we've, we're taking responsibility, right? It may be hard. We may have a lot of limiting beliefs and negative self-talk about it, but at least we recognize that there is a problem and that we have a responsible part in it. Right. It's not just 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 outsourcing blame. You're not outsourcing the blame, but you also could be getting stuck in your own limiting beliefs and blaming Mm -hmm. yourself and, and still staying stuck. So you may take some responsibility, but it could be a shameful type of responsibilities and that's keeping you stuck. So it's a real touchy thing, right? Because you're, especially with ADHD, because with so many people with ADHD, they already have that poor self-esteem or that, 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 you know, they already are looking at themselves in a way that is so unhealthy. Um, And they may be taking on too much responsibility, Mm -hmm. right? Because now instead of looking at it as just the ADHD symptoms, they're thinking they're bad, they're the wrong. So it's, it's a very touchy. Like the pendulum swings the, uh, all the way, the other way. Right, right. Uh, But the good thing about this stage though, is, is the people that are in the stage are ready to have at least a conversation about it. Yeah. Right. Well, I think that's what I was getting at. Like at at least you can show up, at least you're sitting at the table. Yep. And you can have a conversation with someone and that person on the other side, like let's say that parent can now start asking not just questions, but can start challenging the questions a little bit more. You know, like, well, if that's, if you see that as an issue, um, what, what do you think we could do about that? Or what are some, what are some ideas that you have? What do you think you've tried? You know, what have you tried? 
Mm-hmm. You know, what went wrong? So you can start asking a little bit more deeper questions to kind of get them to think about what the solutions might be in the future or what the road is to that. Right. Well, and this leads us directly into stage three, preparation. Yes. And now and my now we're at a point where it's easier to have those more sort of penetrative conversations. Absolutely. About. This is the client who's calling me to be coached. Yeah. Right. So when you are calling, if when you are asking for help, whether it's through a coach, a therapist, a teacher, a parent, whatever, a support group, whoever you're reaching out for help for, you're in the preparation stage. You've mm-hmm. already acknowledged what's going on. You already know that it's time for change. You're motivated and you believe that it's possible. And so some of those old beliefs are being challenged now. You're embracing the change. Now, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying that all of a sudden, uh, you know, if a switch flipped on and you think, oh, I can conquer the world. We know it's not that easy, but you're motivated. You have that internal why of why, you know, this is important for you to do it. Now, this to me is where you can really start adopting that growth mindset. So we've talked about mixed or I'm sorry, we've talked about fixed uh, mindset and growth mindset. We can put in the notes with our last conversation about that. But this is really a good place to put the growth mindset where you can see this as opportunity. You can learn from your mistakes. Um, You're okay with failure because you know that that's moving you forward. If it doesn't turn out exactly the way you expect it to, it's okay. So we're starting to really kind of open ourselves up here. We're gathering the information that we need and we're starting to make a plan. So when you go to coaching, you know, that's what we're doing. We're figuring out what's going on. We're figuring out you know, what what you want, what your goals are. And we're starting to, to really start to develop that plan of what may work for you. But this is also where we have to break down that plan into small steps because, you know, we have to be really careful. And we, and, you know, Pete and I, you, you and I have talked about this so much that we can't just change everything at once. Right. So we need to be able to take, you know, one or two pieces of what our, that major goal is and be able to break that down and focus on that. And uh, and that's where you're doing that on this preparation. So, you know, I would encourage everyone who's in this preparation um, stage is to have some kind of support and help. You don't have to do this alone. Mm-hmm. And I encourage you not to do it alone. At this point, you get the sense that um well, I, I guess it's a question. At this point, do you find that you have let go of baggage of past failures? Is that what's ha- one of the characteristics of preparation? That your 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 the act of being ready to move on represents the act of letting go of failure and and moving on to a new potential success. I think it's the first step. I don't think that it would be realistic realistic for us to say that those thoughts or beliefs won't come back up. Mm-hmm. I, but I think you are what I what I'm hearing you say, and what I do agree with is I think it's the first step of starting to let that stuff go. Okay, it's 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 beginning to see that I am not a bad person because I have ADHD. I right. am not. I don't need to be fixed. What I need is to figure out how to work with this so that I can get what I need to get done. 
but I don't need to do it like everybody else does. Okay. So how, and, and I think this is a massive challenge for so many of us with ADHD, how do you get out of preparation? How do you get out of that mode of just, you know, standing on a starting block ready to go and never really transitioning into step four action? Right. It is a challenge. And that's, again, why I want to really highlight how important it is to not do this by yourself uh, and, yeah. and to really do it with a coach, with a therapist, with a mentor, with an accountability partner, with somebody that you can talk to and you can go through this process with. Um, because what you're doing is you're practicing, right? So sure. let's say, let's just keep this to a basic thing. Going back to students, if I have a college student who I'm working with and they're working on a morning routine because they are late to class every day. So where are they at? They're at this action step where they have to practice the routine. So we, in the preparation, we have already um, timed out the morning. We've already kind of figured out what has to be done, when they have to leave, what bus they're taking, right? We've already kind of worked all that out in the preparation. Now it's time for them to practice. And so what happens is when you're working with somebody or you have somebody you can talk to about it, it gives them that just a little bit of... I, I, not just accountability in a, in like a bad way. It's an accountability of, Hey, look what I did today. I got there on time. I can right. do this, you know? Um, and if you have a bad day, it's like, well, this is what happened. And now I'm more aware of what happened so that I can stop it next time. So the action doesn't have to be a scary place. It's a, it's a place for practice. And what one of the things that that ADDers have a problem with is that it's very black and white thinking. They think that if I didn't do this the second, third and fourth day, that it's never going to work. And what we have to really try to do is step away from that black and white thinking and be okay that it only worked the first day. But you know what? You get to try it again today. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that it didn't work. You can keep being in this action step for as long as you need to be. Just keep practicing, keep tweaking. It's always a constant work in progress. But if rely you, as, on your support. Right. As in, insofar as you're sort of living through the first three stages of change with every micro task that you take on, right? It's so easy yeah. to get caught into in in the little negative self-talk, right? The little bits of language uh, that that can stop any one of the next steps in your plan that you've been breaking down. And I think that's that's really, that sounds to me, what I'm taking away from this is just yeah. how important it is to, uh, you know, to use this as a process, to keep it as a, a mental model and a practical model for getting Absolutely. over these humps. Absolutely. Because, you know, we know that a habit, a routine isn't going to be consistent all the time. Right. So I want my clients to know that what you can be sure of is you will be inconsistent. This is not a black and white step, right? It's not that you do it or you don't do it. There is a lot of in between. And so it definitely is you know how we talk about accommodations and you're so good, Pete, at talking about like the different accommodations that you have to, to you know, make sure your workflow goes smoothly and your right. home, you know, you've talked about your laundry and all of that. This is where the accommodations are put in place so that you can do these actions, right? You can do these things because you have these accommodations in place. Yeah. But this is what happens. 
So there's this in-between thing that happens between action and maintenance. And that's relapsing. Well, that's kind of what we're talking about, right? Yes. If you find yourself getting stuck. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is. And this is going to happen and it can also happen after even the maintenance stage. So you could be doing this for a year and still relapse after maintenance, right? So yeah. relapsing um, is exactly what we've been talking about. It, it's exactly what you think it would be. It's sliding back into those uh, habits, those behaviors. Um, this happens to me so often when it comes to health stuff. Like I'll be really good with my diet and then all of a sudden, you know, it just sort of creeps up that... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm back into my old habits. Um, we all do this. It's so natural. And so, you know, it can happen quickly or it can happen gradually. It just depends on the context of what your behavior is that you're trying to change. Um, so what do you do? This is what I want to talk about next, because I want to talk about what happens when you relapse. Um, I'm pretty confident in saying that most ADHDers are going to beat themselves up over this. And I'm going to yeah, ask bit. you. You think you, you think don't. you're really going out on a limb on that one? I think I'm going out on a limb, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure that I'm going to I'm going to catch the limb yeah, right. <laughs> and I'm going to hang on. I'm going to ask you not to beat yourself up over this. Be kind and gracious to yourself, just like you would if you were treating uh, or you were talking to somebody else in your life. You would not beat up your daughter or your son or your husband or your wife or your partner, you know, because they something happened. And so don't beat yourself up over it. You do not, again, you do not need to be fixed. You are not broken. And the more you can separate yourself from that's when my ADHD got in the way versus I'm, I'm a great person, right? ADHD mm -hmm. doesn't define you. So when these things happen, when these things relapse, that's what we want to keep remembering is don't beat yourself up over it. Rely on your sorts, your support systems to help you. Again, I can't emphasize enough that you're not in this journey by yourself. So if you relapse and you feel really bad about it and you need that little help of getting motivated again, reach out to those people um, that support you and reconnect with your why. You know, why did you do this in the first place? Why did you want this change to happen? And sometimes it's just taking a few minutes to reflect and look back at your journal notes or whatever you've done to prep for this and go back and look at why this was important to you. And sometimes just getting that reconnection can get you to, to make that first step again. Uh, something else that I want to talk about is prioritizing taking care of yourself. We talk about, oh, it's so important for self-care. And it comes out of my mouth like so easily. Yeah. But right. we know it's not easy. Right. Um, but something that that I've learned, and this was definitely from the conference, is that you have to prioritize taking care of yourself when you have ADHD because so much of that is going to affect how how loud your ADHD is that next day. So sleep, nutrition, exercise, especially, um, those are things that, you know, you really want to prioritize and put into your life. You know what I think? And and I think we all know uh, how great ADHDers are with money. I mean, in general, oh, if yeah. you know anything about ADHDers, <laughs> it's they're financial savvy. But there is a thing that uh, I have taken for, as financial advice, and it, it is actually permeated every other part of my life, which is uh, pay yourself first. 
right? Right. So that's when when you get paid. There there is a reason uh, at your job they give you the opportunity to take out your you know a retirement contribution and put that away so that you don't ever see it. Right. Because again, ADHDers and money, mm, perfect. Uh, and so, <laughs> like I, I think about that bit of advice. Pay yourself first. How does that apply? everywhere else in your life. And I think self-care is the big one for me. Like pay myself first. It means that when I'm cranking that second cup of coffee at 930 at night, I'm not paying myself first. If I'm paying myself first, uh, then uh, then I'm not sitting on the screen at 1230 in the morning writing that one last email. Uh, Mm -hmm. If I'm paying myself first, it means I'm actually, you know, practicing conditioning myself to to keep some regular hours and get up at the same time. It means I'm eating, uh, you know, regular doses of protein and vegetables and I'm doing the right things for my body. It means I'm going out and I'm paying myself first by taking walks in the afternoon. That's it's impossible to to understate how hard it is for those of us who who aren't wired that way like i'm right. just chemically not wired that way but it it is i'm paying myself first if i'm if i'm doing those things i love that um, well and i think that especially goes to all of the parents out there that have uh kids still at home yeah. it is so easy to have their needs come before yours and in some situations you you do have to have that happen but i do think that what you're saying and, and what is really important is that you know you find that time and you do it without guilt you know yeah. it's important that you do it without guilt and we're not talking about 4 hours in the morning of me time right yeah. i mean we right. aren't talking about a lot of a lot of time it's a matter of 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 just making it happen and figure out when the right time is for you and and when you need it, you know? I mean, sometimes exercise maybe isn't in the morning, but it could be right. in the early afternoon or whatever. But um, yeah, I, I, I think it's really... I mean, there like is a that. reason... It's very similar. There's a reason they want you to put the oxygen mask on yourself First. before you help the children and the you elderly. Bet. Like there is yeah. a reason for that, right? right? You have to be in great condition in order to be in great condition for someone else. So something I want to bring up here, because I, I think this relates to a lot of listeners. I have a, a client currently that I'm working with on on protecting sleep. And if you were to look at these stages of change, you know, here at the very first stage, oh, my sleep is fine. I can get away with four hours of sleep. Okay. But now they're realizing they're in stage two and thinking, you know what? Four hours really isn't enough. I'm pretty cranky. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sleep deprived. Have that brain fog going on. Not feeling real great. People are noticing about me that Uh I'm reactionary, that I'm not. Yeah, it's I'm getting external signals now that I'm connecting with my lack of sleep. Sure. Something's not right. And so now I'm in preparation and I'm going to start this morning or I'm sorry, evening routine to get to bed on time. I'm going to, you know, all of these things. I had somebody ask me recently, well, what are the strategies to, to get better sleep? They're all the same strategies that we've always heard. Nothing's changed, but it's then going into stage four where you have to take action, right? So now now we know, okay, we probably need to look at the temperature of our rooms. We need to look at how dark it is. We need to start looking at, are we meditating? Are we, how are we shutting down? Are we putting our electronics away? That's the biggest thing that people aren't doing. Yep. 
So if you've got that iPhone or iPad, you're probably going to stay awake. So that is where you have to start taking some responsibility that if you want this change to happen, then you do need to try and practice some of these strategies, even if you don't like it. Move the charging station out of your room. Go ahead, right. leave it in an office, in a living room. You don't need to bring it to bed. Right. And you know what else? Like, I, I find, like, take the transition as slowly as you want. If you want to keep reading on your iPad, great, do Absolutely. it. Sit on the couch, sit in a chair, mm-hmm. sit at the mm-hmm. kitchen table and read until you're exhausted. Then leave yep. it there and go to bed. That is a great way to kind of make this transition uh, easy on yourself. Yeah. You can have the, all the same behavior with only one tiny change, and that is the walk to bed when you're actually ready to sleep. Right. Well, and I've had other people too, another, you know, quick change. I know we're kind of going off subject here, but I'm sure there's a lot of people, you know, curious. I've had people who uh, have one specific book, like a real book, that that's what they read when they go to bed. It's a bedtime book. That's another way to get away from the electronics because the the book isn't going to get you into Facebook and the news and everything else. Right. So, yeah. Um, so anyway, that's that's kind of giving you guys an example too, a little bit of how this can work, even just with with like sleep and other things like that. Right. Um, the relapse. Okay, so we talked about that. I think tweaking the plan if you need to. You know, if you keep relapsing, then maybe something isn't right in the plan. So definitely be taking a look at that. Uh, but by you know everything that or the last thing I want to say that's so important is just don't give up on yourself. Don't right. give up on this. We know the why is important. So keep trying again, keep doing it again, um, and just don't give up on it because you're worth it. It's important. All right. So the last step is maintenance. Hallelujah. Woohoo! Yeah. We have a new behavior. It's a habit. It's yeah, a that's habit. right. Of course. And you're never going to fail. Don't worry about it. No. You're great. You've achieved it. You grabbed the brass ring. We're great. Yeah. Well, we know that that's, you know, there's still going to be relapses, but that's okay because this is what I loved when I was researching this. Even with the relapses, it's a behavior that you can sustain and you intend to maintain going forward. Okay. And I love that. Let's say that again. It's a behavior you can sustain and intend to maintain going forward. Even with the relapses, you know that this is your lifestyle, this is your this is your thing, this is your jam. Yeah. And it's and it's going and you're going to continue it regardless. I love the language here and I feel like this is it's it's sort of putting into different words one of the things that I I say all the time when I'm at my best yes. and that language the implication for that for me is that I intend to do the things that have been successful in the past even if I'm not able to do them right now. Right. And right. and it doesn't mean that they are failed and I know that I'm a better person and I'm a better at interacting with the world around me when I'm in this mode. Yes, absolutely. I really like that. Well, and and with that, you have a higher level of awareness, right? Yeah. When you do go off track and you can shift those priorities back. Right, right. And the beliefs really start changing because they become more serving. Because then what you're saying to yourself is, I can try again tomorrow. I know mm-hmm. I can do this. I did it last week. I can do it again. But you see how different that is than saying, well, I didn't do it last week. I shouldn't do it again. Or I shouldn't try. Like, this is a much more positive way. It's like, I know I can. I've done this before and I'm going to do it again t- t- tomorrow or next right. week or whatever. So you're limiting, your beliefs aren't limited anymore. They really are more open to this. So I want to just briefly uh, talk a little bit about why this model is beneficial um, to think about if you resonate with it. I think mm-hmm. it, it definitely helps us support one another 
So you can kind of understand more about what stage a person is going is is currently in or what stage you are currently in. I think any kind of awareness around what we're feeling and going through can be very helpful. It can help us be more supportive, more patient with people. It can help us be more optimistic and more committed to the process as well. Um, and I think like at, myself as a coach and as a parent, I think it's important that we meet meet our clients and and meet our children and whoever you're working with in in this type of um, context, that we meet them where they're at, and then we'll have a better or a bigger impact. So if I have a client and I know that they're just in stage two, they're kind of talking about it. They kind of know that this is an issue, but not sure. I can meet them there. I'm not going to go straight to action planning. Yeah, right. Same thing with my, you know, with my daughter. I'm not going to go straight to, okay, well, this is how you use your planner. You know, yeah. we're going to talk more. We have other things to talk about first. Well, this, we that absolutely, I mean, that example is perfect, right? When you're trying to teach, teach kids to, you know, plan, yeah. uh, this, this is a, a different sort of context than I'm going to give you a tool that will change all this, assuming you know how to do it all and are ready to do it and that you care as much as I do. Right. And uh, uh, you rarely care as much. No. <laughs> as I do about those no. sorts of things. No. So better understanding of ourselves, better understanding of the people that are around us. And uh, something just to leave the listeners with, you know, think about maybe identify a goal or habit that you're currently working on and just think about what stage are you in on this process? What's going on? What are the feelings and things that you're experiencing and and what's going to help you get to that next stage? And, and Pete, I just want to reiterate what you said. It's okay to be in the stage for a while. You don't need to be in a hurry. Yeah. to get to the next stage. Um, so I don't want to put that question out there of like, you've got to hurry up and get there. It, it's just a thought of how do you get unstuck? So Right. This is this is a model, not a plan. Right, right. Right, a, a way to help you think about, uh, you know, uh, to use language that has come up recently, it's a, a way to help you think about a different part of the elephant. And hopefully it... It gives you some insight into uh, other parts as well. This has been fantastic. What a great uh, bit of insight here, Nikki. This is going to be a good uh, library episode. I think I learned a lot today. Thank you for introducing us all to it. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to this show. We appreciate your time and your attention. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you all next time right here on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast.